0: Welcome to another episode of The Darren Sargent Show. This is the podcast where you get life advice from a single handed perspective. Welcome back. It's the week after Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a wonderful time, enjoyed moments that you'll never forget with family and friends, and we're able to get together. It's a great season. We got back late last night from a few days away and it's good to be home and back in the saddle with the Darren Sargent Show. And today it's Teaching Tuesday. Yes, I told you I was gonna do these every once in a while and today we're gonna talk a little bit more about the heart. If you wanna kinda get caught up, I did a brief introduction to this subject in our last episode. And you can go back and listen to that. And today, we're just going to continue as we talk about the heart, the importance of the heart, right here on the Darren Sargent Show. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. It was C.S. Lewis who said, God whispers to us in our success, but shouts in our pain. It's a pretty powerful, powerful illustration or quote, if you will. Probably one of the most difficult things that we have to do as a parent, I'm a parent, have three kids, as most of you know, but one of the most difficult things to do as a parent is to allow your children to learn things the hard way. I I remember times in my life where my parents had to let me experience things on my own, no matter how difficult it may have been. One of the things that stuck out to me, my mother has told me this on several of occasions when we've talked about my early years being born with only one hand. She said one of the most difficult things for her to do was not when I was trying to learn to walk, not to pick me up. Now. For those of you that uh, have not thought about this, let me just let you know, I never could crawl, (laughs) Uh, but I wish I had a drum roll right there. I I never could crawl. I was off balance. So I scooted everywhere on my rear end. Everywhere I went, I scooted, my mom said. But I learned to walk at eight months old. So yes, for those of you that recognize, I am an overachiever. (laughs) Just a joke. But my mom said one of the most difficult things that she had to do was to stand there and not pick me up when I fell. The doctor told her, says, let him learn how to get up on his own. And throughout life, I have been blessed with parents that let me learn from my experiences. No matter how painful it. Was for me, no matter how painful it was for them to see me go through it. But it's in those key moments that parents give children tools that will eventually shape their character and, basically, in my opinion, their moral philosophies. I think sometimes we have to see beyond the present and resist resist the temptation to rush in and fix things for others, especially our children. I know not everyone listening to this has. Kids, but you're going to have them one day. So listen in closely. When you allow your children to experience things that life brings their way and you don't interfere, we have the privilege of seeing them learn to choose consistently to grow through situations rather than simply go through situations. There's a difference. You can grow through something or you can go through something. I would rather grow through the struggle and the trial than just go through it you know God models this principle I think in our own lives he lets us go through things in order to grow through things and I think he does so to teach us basically there's several things I'm sure that a trial or a struggle or difficulty teaches us but two primary things that I think God allows us to learn through the trials and struggles of life is respect and honor. I'll never forget the lesson I learned as a teenager in high school, uh, my freshman year. Uh, Let let me back up a little bit. In junior high, I tried out for uh, the basketball team. Now, I could shoot the lights out, but dribbling, you probably knew which direction I was going to go. The, the, the coach from the other team would gather his guys around and say, see that kid with the one arm? He's going right. Anyways, so in, in high school, I took on wrestling. And I remember when I had to get permission from my parents, of course, to join, and I remember going to my dad with a slip of paper, give, giving me permission to join wrestling. He says, "You you can wrestle as long as you don't miss church. If you miss church, you'll no longer be able to wrestle. Well, the first two or three years went by, and I, I never missed—I never missed my freshman, sophomore, uh, junior year, most of my junior year. But one tournament that I wanted to go to was on a youth service night, and I'll never forget getting on the bus after school instead of coming home. And going to that tournament. And when I got home, my dad said, where you been? And I said, well, I was at a wrestling tournament. He says, it was youth service tonight. And I said, yeah, but it's just youth service. He said, I told you, if you missed church one time, you had to quit the team. Now, some of you are going to listen to this and say, well, that's awful harsh. No, it wasn't. It hurt, but I learned something nothing in my life ever needs to come before god nothing if i my dad taught me a principle if i would put god first i could have anything if i put him second i would have nothing it produced such a great respect and honor for god then Anything else in my life, and things of that nature produce a vision of God unlike anything else. And without God's perspective for our lives, we miss out on some of the greatest lessons He can teach us. And there's this, there's lessons learned and found in this tension between joy and tribulation. Now, let me let me just talk about this for a minute. Think of a car battery. Okay, a car battery fulfills its purpose through its power that comes from both a positive and a negative current running through it. When a car battery runs out of power, what do we do? We give it a jump start by hooking up both positive and negative cables. And the tension of joy and tribulation or trouble in our lives works the same way. We need both positive and negative currents to energize our purpose, to energize our passion, to energize our calling. And what I've learned is painful situations, trial and tribulation and struggle ground us in ways that joyful situations cannot. Good things can't teach me some things that bad things can. But there is good news in all of this because when you are a true follower of Jesus, when you are trusting in him, the one who's ultimately triumphed over death, hell, and the grave and all the struggle, you begin to experience what he promises that we will experience in his word. Listen to this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage or be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For here he says, I have overcome the world. That basically means that he has deprived the world of power to harm you and I, and he's conquered it for us. So listen to me in this, this episode of Teaching Tuesday. God's goal for your life isn't simply to make you happy. We think that God is some sort of good luck charm, some rabbit's foot redeemer that we rub when we need something good to happen. God's goal for your life isn't to simply make you happy. His goal and desire is to make you holy, to make you more like him. God, I've said this before. God is more interested in my character than he is in my comfort. You know, I talk to people that often that are hurting and remind them that, you know, Jesus knew pain. He knew shame. He knew, ridic- he, knew, he knew ridicule, rejection. And even though he went through all of that, the writer of Hebrews tells us a mystery. It says this, he learned obedience from what he suffered. If, if we would just pay attention, we would learn that God uses every situation to give us the opportunity to depend on him more than we ever have before. Now, a question arises that I think we probably need to ask, how do you and I respond when we feel overwhelmed with a sense of our own inadequacy? Now, I face it, maybe you haven't, but there's been a lot of times in my life where I felt like I wasn't up to the the level i needed to be i was inadequate for the challenge i was not able to to accomplish something the tendency that i think we all have is to kind of fight back or crawl in a cave or blame others when we feel inadequate the problem with that is if we if we do those things we often miss hearing that that still small voice of god that's trying to draw us closer to him in order to give us the confidence that he is greater than our present circumstances. Now, I've been pastoring for 20-plus years, and one of the joys I have in pastoring is watching people discover their God-given potential as they begin to respond, open up their hearts, live more abundantly than they ever imagined. Paul gives us a challenge, very similar to what I just described, to the church in Corinth, listen to his wording. This is a paraphrase. Dear dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide-open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. That's inadequacies. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection, Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Again, a paraphrase of Paul's word to the church in Corinth, but powerful. But you say, yeah, I need to open up, but it always comes with the risk of being hurt. That's true. Anytime you put yourself out there, anytime you make a step to to do what God is asking you to do, it's going to come at a risk of being misunderstood, being hurt. But never allow yourself to think that God will waste that hurt or that pain. Hurt, pain is a precious, a precious commodity to Him, which He transfers to your account that, so that you can learn invaluable lessons. Some of the greatest things I've ever learned in my life came from going through some of my most painful experiences. Just because you've been hurt doesn't mean you shut the door to your heart and you don't let God in, you don't let anybody else in. I've watched people that have been hurt in life that choose to get bitter instead of better, and the disease that begins to eat away at the fiber of their being, at the fiber of their faith and their life, it's damaging. It not only affects them, it begins to affect their children and their marriage and their life. It's not worth it to allow bitterness to remain in us. Let let me give you a principle that I believe is very powerful and helpful in dealing with so many of the things that we have to deal with in this current generation. I believe, and you can dispute me if you want, but I believe that there are generational curses that get passed down from generation to generation until someone rises up and refuses them and changes the course of their future. You know, you look at the children of Israel, they spent 40 days, or 40 years, excuse me, walking in the wilderness, constantly going in a circle, constantly on this wilderness journey for 40 years because of their unwillingness to enter into a promise that God said he'd give to them. Now, when Everything has finally been killed. Everyone that didn't have faith, everyone that refused to go into the promised land died off in the wilderness and they are now stepping in front of Jericho led by Joshua. The Bible says that they spent 6 days walking in circles around Jericho. On the 7th day they did the same thing but then but they kept their mouth shut. Now let me let me back up. I think God was teaching us something here. They broke the curse of the previous generation by walking in circles with their mouth closed instead of walking in circles, grumbling and griping, moaning and complaining like they did in the wilderness. Maybe somebody that's listening to this today needs to rise up and say, you know, enough is enough, and my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that I can ask or think according to the power that worketh within me. Now, I'm getting close to wrapping this Teaching Tuesday up, but let me give you some things that you need to understand, that I need to understand. You can take these, and, you know, these are just things that are just coming to my mind. You can can take this, and you can unpack it, or we may talk about it later, but you can think on these things. But number one is being rejected by someone doesn't mean you'll be rejected by everybody. Sometimes I think we, we look at one situation and think that it's going to apply to everything else in our life. Here's another point that I think you need to understand. Nobody, never give up on someone, even when they've given up on you. Never give up on someone, even when they've given up on you. Here's another principle I think is important. Until it costs you to love someone, you haven't really loved them. There's a cost that comes with advancing yourself out there to a, in a place of vulnerability until it costs you to love someone you haven't really loved them. Here's a, a final one I'll just give you real quick. Just because something happened to you doesn't mean you have to repeat it. That's powerful. Sometimes we think, well... You know, this is the way it's always been. My dad did this. My mom did this. My my great uncle did this. My my aunt Susie and her cat did this. You know, you can blame everything. But just because something happened to you doesn't mean you have to repeat it. Just some, because something happened maybe in your family tree doesn't mean you have to repeat it. I believe our faith needs to become ambidextrous. Now, I am not ambidextrous. Sorry. But what I mean by that is simply this. When you're convinced that God has good purposes for what you're going through, your trial, your pain, your struggle, you gain an ambidextrous faith. You begin to trust him in the good times and the bad in order that life's most valuable lessons are being taught to you. Ambidextrous faith trusts God even when it's bad and even when it's good. Just something I want to throw in there, and I'm going to finish this up. Real, real soon. I promise. I'll be done in just a moment. Just hang with me. It's Teaching Tuesday. I want you to remember this. What you see when your eyes are closed, what you see when your eyes are closed is more important than what you see when they are open. You need to close your eyes in life sometimes to make the decision to see your greatest pains as your greatest lessons. Somebody once said, everyone struggles to become the person they've been called to be. Even a caterpillar will struggle to become a butterfly before it can spread its wings and fly. Growing up, I remember my dad saying things like, the disciplined man always wins. You know there's a biblical principle in what he was saying and more than likely he he got it from the book of Hebrews that says no discipline Hebrews 12:11 no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it the entire story of the bible centers around the revelation called this revelation called redemptive lift god taking us from nothing into becoming something And I have discovered that life is made up of 20% joy and 80% pain. And if you and I can embrace the 80% of pain in our lives and learn from it, there's the the key. We will be able to enjoy the 20% of the good things, the pleasure, without regrets. Pain and problems, trials and tribulations and struggle produce something in us that nobody can take away, and that's character, Facing the test to become, it requires tremendous courage because it means dealing with the baggage in our lives. Every one of us come to the point in our lives where in order to move forward, you got to let go of yesterday. You know, there, there's, a tragic, there's a tragic story in the Old Testament about King Saul. By, by all outward appearances, he was everything a leader should be. He was handsome, he was tall, he was strong, he was wealthy, but when it came time for him to become king, Saul found himself at a familiar location. He was hiding behind the baggage of insecurity, fear, and doubt. Listen to this. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. This shows us that becoming who God has called you to be is going to require you to come out from behind your baggage. Baggage, whether it's spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, whatever it is we'll always seem more comfortable and more familiar. It will always seem more more easy and safer than stretching to become who you are called to be. But call, but God will call you from where you are to where you're going because he sees the greatness of your future. Look at Gideon. Hey, Gideon, thou, thou mighty man of valor, while he's hiding behind the wine press, while he's talking about how least He is in his father's house. How insignificant he thinks he is, and yet God looks at him and calls him a mighty man of valor. God sees you in what you're going to be while you may still be what you are. You've got to believe God as he declares to you that you can overcome all the pain of yesterday to become the man or the woman that he has called you to be. You can outlive the person you may have been because God has promised to transform you from the inside by helping you rise up from life's most difficult and painful problems and disappointment. So I ask you a question. What baggage is holding you back? Fear of the unknown, failure, too many mistakes, divorce, sickness, disease, struggles? Hebrews 4.12 in the New Living Translation says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful, It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit between joint and marrow it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires so I'm challenging you on this teaching Tuesday to recognize what God is doing through every circumstance in order for your heart to become what he wants it to become you have so much potential You have the ability to do things that nobody else can do because you were created in the image of God. Go out there. Learn the lessons needed. Grow from them. Take struggle and turn it into a success. Take an obstacle and turn it into an opportunity because you have the potential to do amazing things through Jesus Christ. And only what we do for Christ is what lasts. Nothing else matters. I know we all got to live. I get it. But think about it. Till next time, have an awesome day. This is the Darren Sargent Show. God bless.